0: What's up, everybody? What a fun episode with my main man, Mr. Gary Henderson. Oh, we talked all all things around NFTs. We talked about the creator, the economy that's coming up, and all these cool things that he's doing. So if you want to learn about digital currencies and NFTs and the creator world that's happening. And we're talking, I mean, it was this guy. I met this guy a few years ago on Clubhouse. We had a great time on there, and this guy's just doing some really cool stuff. In fact, he created the Gary currency. So if you want to create your own currency or learn about all the stuff that's happening in that world, Stay tuned. Enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mishazi, and boy, do we have a special guest, Gary Henderson. My man is in the house. What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? Nice to see you. Oh, man. You know, so, um, well, first of all, Gary and I, we met, uh, boy, gosh, two years ago in change. And um, on, on uh, the Clubhouse Phenomenon, when it was blowing up. So we're going to be talking all about that today. But um, it, it was funny. We, on the pre-show, we're like... I'm like, I, you know, we talked a shit ton because we were on Clubhouse. we were like living, like we had sleeping bags and we'd like sleep and next to each other on Clubhouse and then get up and do shows and shit on Clubhouse. And and and, and I was like, have I ever actually fucking met you before? <laughs> and then we're on video, like doing the show. And he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so man, welcome, man. It's good, good to good to put a, a actual uh, face with a name, like more than just a still two two dimensional image. It's good to, oh, you good to well. see you, man.
1: You as well. You as well. It's it's been a while. You know, we we had this time where we we're spending so much time together on Clubhouse, and then the world opened up, and the the Clubhouse app kind of died down a little bit. So now we're a little bit more distant. So it's good to connect again.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so yeah, we we, we were talking about we like, we've been connecting over Instagram and chat and text, and and here we are actually doing chopping it up. And I, I wanted to get you on the show for a while. And I will say that that uh, man, it, like <laughs> for whatever reason, like. The scheduling gods like just kept shanking your schedule. Like it was like, oh, it's we're scheduling. I'm like, shit, it's my mom's seventieth birthday. Like I have to, like, I can't not go to that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, fuck, dude. The last I, like, one was like, the
1: ice storm that you had. Like the, ice, I, the, the, I, the <laughs> fluke ice storm in Austin, like that day, it's like Darius doesn't have any power. There's an ice storm, and it might come back. And I'm like, he doesn't need to reschedule an interview. He needs to like make sure like there's like power and stuff in his house. Like we'll just reschedule.
0: You're like, you're like, dude, this guy's such a flaky motherfucker. He gets God to like cancel the show with us. Um, well, here we are, man. Finally, we're making it happen. So, um, well, first of all, let me do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we'll hop into the to the show. Is that work, feebro? Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome. So, listen for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine. We're about two things: people are living their passions and those creating greatness in the world, and doing so despite the odds. And my man Gary is neither short of passion or greatness. Um, as I mentioned before, we met on Clubhouse, so this is like or like I got on December thirty first, like t- two thousand, and um, a mute uh, like our connection. It was two, my the guy that invited me is a guy named Justin Breen, who is is good buddies with a mutual friend of ours, Nick Peterson. And so I get on the app and, and dude, like, I'm not a digital creator. I don't do digital marketing. I'm, I'm an analog guy who was like just dipping his t- pinky toe in the water of the digital world. And right away, I notice like everyone knows each other. Like, like they kind of know each other or they know people that know each other. And I don't know anybody. Like, I'm not in the, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to name a few names right now. And I was going to sound funny to, like, digital people. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck Roland Frazier is. Never heard <laughs> of him before in my life. I swear to God. Frank Kern, I didn't know who that guy was. Like, you start going down. Like, I, like, these people who are, like, legends in the world of digital. Like, I didn't know who they were. Because I was a guy that was, like, doing analog, a lot of analog shit. And so, I get on these rooms. And, like, people are, like, being pulled up to the stage. Because that's how Clubhouse was set up. And, and, and I'm like, well, I got some shit to add to this. Cause I grew some big ass businesses and like, no one's pulling me up. <laughs> and so I'm like, fuck this. Now I'm in a room and Gary is like, like you were like, you came on strong when this app blew up. Like you like literally like were owning the rooms like right away. And, like we're in a rooms like Paris Hilton and, and like, like, like no, no exaggeration. It was like Paris Hilton and like a bunch of other like famous people on stage like and gary's running the room and i was like dude i want to i want to meet this dude and so nick who who i kind of knew i knew justin kind of all this stuff through like my book launch i met these beat people and so i started like hitting nick up i'm like hey pull me up on stage next time you get a chance and he's like well let me talk to gary first (laughs) because gary's like the godfather on on clubhouse (laughs) and so i think he i don't know if he like hit you up behind the scenes or something but like Gary pulls me up on like one Saturday morning. It was the first time I got up on the stage. And 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 I was like, all right, man, I gotta drop some fucking knowledge or else <laughs> you guys aren't gonna pull me up anymore. And so I I felt like I dropped some pretty good knowledge because right after that, like we started connecting. And um and from there, man, we were on that app forever, just like bullshitting and having some great conversations. And you ran some incredible rooms. Um but yeah, man, that was that was my uh foray into what is now the Gary Henderson experience. So man, it's good Good to meet you and for some of those. That, that, do you have anything to add to that? That was my origin story for us. It,
1: I think you nailed it. You know, Clubhouse was this weird space and you know, I was in the same boat as you. Like, I walked into rooms. I went into how to run a million dollar business. It's the first room I went in. I actually went in on Christmas Eve and you got your account on the 31st. I came one week before you. I went in on Christmas Eve and I'm like, there's people talking about random stuff. I don't care about this. And I left. I came back three days later and I was like, I went into Kate and Dan's room, the how to run a million dollar business. And I went up on stage and I was bored and I just started giving advice. And I was like, well, this is fun. I'd been in like the Frank Kearns and the Roland Frazier's. Like I'd been in War Room with Ryan Dice. I'd been in like Jeff Walker was my past client. So I'd been in these spaces and that's what I was comfortable doing. It's just helping and giving advice and it was fun. And then I noticed people started just messaging me and they were like like let's spend money let's do this and i was like oh man this is like a live conference networking that's running 24 hours a day and there's energy here at a time when the world shut down in a in a global pandemic and there's opportunity and then i got to meet really cool people like i don't know like me, I'm I'm like running a business doing, you know, maybe, you know, seven figures or just over seven figures a year. You're running like business in the real world doing like multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. We wouldn't have connected as friends yeah. and had conversations. So that's the beauty of what happened. We we're able to merge and, and kind of like combine worlds that would have never met. You might have been in a, in a corporate environment going to, you know, like a, a TED event and, and my buddy in my neighborhood. When I lived back in South Carolina, he ran to analytics for TED and told me all the fun antics that happened. So I was on that side, and you were the attendee. So we were just in different worlds, and Clubhouse allowed us to come together and build relationships, which is absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, man, it, it, it was cool. It was cool. It was. It was. Um, it, what's funny is, is, is I ended up meeting a lot of people I've now got connected with through clubhouse like yourself included. Um, and, uh, and, and some guests on the show. So I just had BJ fog on the show. Oh, BJ BJ was on the app. I had read his stuff, but I had never met him. And I was like, dude, like this guy's like popping into a room that I'm on stage and like hopping on stage. And I'm like, I, i love that guy's shit you know and so like yeah it was a it was a really it was a pretty small window it was probably six months max but there was this really tight window of like two months where it was crazy you're like sitting there it's like uh it's magic like, total like, total <laughs> magic yeah yeah yeah, totally like 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 uh what's his face from shark tank dwayne um I'm blanking on his last name right Damon, now. But, but.
1: Damon John. Oh, Damon John. And Kevin yeah. Harrington in there all the time. I mean, they're like uh, Mr. Wonderful. I hosted Mr. Wonderful in Gary Club on Clubhouse.
2: Like yeah. he was a guest yes.
1: in Gary Club to come in and like share advice. Like what kind of world is Mr. Wonderful coming for free to my stage to share advice?
0: Like, come on. It it was super crazy, right? And, and, and so, and, and then, and then, and like anything, then, then it got, got crazy and people were like warring on there and there's drama, which actually, actually ended up being kind of fun. Um, but, but, um, anyway, that's, so that's how Gary and I met, man. And we connected and, and, and got got to spend a lot of time together on Clubhouse. And, uh, but since then, you know, Gary's been doing tons of amazing things in the world. Um, I want to give your formal bio and then we can, maybe if you don't mind, give your origin story of how you've gotten to where you gotten in the world. Does that work for you, my man? Yeah, it's perfect. Let's do it. So, so Gary Henderson, uh, is the founder of digital marketing.org, author of the clubhouse creator, founder and creator of Gary coin. which is a social token and cryptocurrency. It's currently on Solana mm-hmm. and interest in giraffe tower NFT. So you're doing a lot of stuff in this digital creation world. Um, which, you know, like it's so funny. Like I used to read these articles. It's like, you know eighty percent of the jobs that are, that you're you know that are gonna be in the 2020s aren't even created yet. this is like a 2007. i I'm like, I don't even know what that fucking even means and now here we are and I'm like, yeah, that's, this shit nobody thought about this shit um so and I'm you know like so you're on the cutting edge of a lot of the stuff that's happening on the blockchain cryptocurrency side. Um, on the creator world especially in the creator world which I, which is really the thing where as i got to know you and your work i'm like oh you know you're a big promoter of all things creators so um, man how did you get into what you're into i know you have like a really long and and, and cool history uh, but yeah if you don't mind give us the quick and dirty uh, origin story for 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 the gary henderson story
1: yeah most definitely so i grew up in a really really small town in southern west virginia And poor. My mom was a school teacher. I didn't know we were poor. We lived in a single wide trailer on the actual property of the school. So, like, we didn't even Uh have our own land. We lived on the school property. My mom was great. She, you know, got her master's degree and stuff while I was in middle school. I got my first computer in middle school. And when all my friends were getting phone lines to talk to their girlfriends, I wanted a modem because I wanted people to be able to dial into my computer. And I ran what was called a bulletin board service, and people would dial into my computer and type. And then I would dial into their computers and type. So I'm middle school. I was born in 81. So I'm 42 right now. I was, you know, or 41, middle school age. So I'm, this is early 90s. I'm, you know, on my modem or middle 90s on my modem, poking around, plugging around, building community. Now, I had no clue what that meant to me. Um, I went through and went to college, dropped out about a year in and it just wasn't for me. I told my mom, I said, I'm gonna go get a job doing stuff with computers. She said, there's no way in hell you're gonna do that. I said, watch me. I got a job. I was a programmer for a digital agency. For one year, I did about two and a half years worth of work. I left then and started my own company. I did really fun stuff. So in the early 2000s, we had controlling interest of eaby.com, and a misspell of Hotmail, so h o t m i a l dot com. So I'm wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, wait What's e a b y? It was a typo insane. of eBay. Oh,
1: <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and I had I'm the so, typo. So <laughs> I had the typo of Hotmail, and let me tell you how OG like OG internet marketing I am. I'm an OG scammer in sending spam messages. So we sent spam messages before it was called spam. Now they call those scammers, right? You're a spammer. You're a scammer. Well, that was me before it was called spam. What we did is we took all the emails. This was back in the day when you would just like email everyone and you just didn't even CC everyone. You just typed all their email addresses in. And I scraped all those email addresses because everybody would misspell Hotmail. And I scraped the email addresses. I auto-corrected them. I was what I called an ethical spammer. I forwarded the original message to everybody that was supposed to get it. So they got their original message. And then I had all these email addresses and then we sold them. So we were a data aggregator in the middle. We did the same thing for eBay and a lot of things. So I did that. I took a brief time period and I did a nationally televised high school all-star football game. So we, Cam Newton was my MVP. He plays for, he played for the Carolina Panthers, played in the NFL a lot. Um, Des Bryant... Golden Tate, a lot of those guys, they played at the game that I ran. So I, I tell you a couple of these things, because in 2013, while I was running an agency, I ran an event in South Beach. And I'm different. Um, I thought, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this stuff on sports channels when they they kind of make fun of the announcers when they say funny things that, that we think are funny, but they're not really funny. Well, I did it for marketers. And I just had all kinds of marketers at a conference, and we put a video together that was shit marketers say. <laughs> And half the marketers thought it was funny, the other half thought I was an asshole. And I let the fud or the the fear, the 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 hate, the the energy, I let it stop me. And I had momentum, and I stopped. Mm. And I took a pause, and I met someone. Her name was Suzanne Evans, and I met Suzanne Evans. She was a mentor of mine at that time. I, I ended up working with her, and she introduced me to this personal development um, coaching space that I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of Tony Robbins. So you, when you come into Clubhouse, never heard, hearing of Frank Kern and those people, i had never heard of like Tony Robbins. And I start to learn. I do multiple New York Times bestseller launches. I go on to do a quarter billion dollars online education, helping people like Jeff Walker and Gabby Bernstein and Michael Hyatt and Dr. Axe and Maston Kip and Shanda Sumter. All these creators monetize their personal brands. I worked with Lewis House for five years. Whenever it got time for me to build my brand, I wanted to do it different. I was on Clubhouse, I was innovating, I was creating, and I wanted to do something different. So I jumped on the blockchain and that's where we are today.
0: I love that, man. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through a business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. I want to take a step back all the way to the early 90s because um, I'm a couple years older than you. So you were like probably 12 when I was 15 um, and um, and I was on Bulletin wards. And uh, and so did you ever uh, download the Anarchist Cookbook? Do you know what that is? Oh, I don't. I don't know that I know what that is. Oh man. So, so, so for, for listeners who are like, what are they even talking about? What's a bulletin board? And it's like, basically it's what a website was before there was websites. Yep. So I, I was not very technical, but I was always like, I'm a pretty curious person. It's my number four core value. And, um, and so I don't even know how I stumbled upon it, but I'm like, well, what else can I, do? I had a compact computer. I'm like, well, what else can I do with this thing? Besides like play you know uh laser shoot larry <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like 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 there's a bunch of shitty video uh, by the way nintendo was out then so nintendo had way better video games than computers did oh. and so i'm like well, i mean yeah, i could word process on it and somehow i figured out you could get online and i had like a 14.4 kilobyte modem <laughs> which which just so we're clear like my computer's running at about 500 megs per second right now this thing was running at like like fourteen point four k, fourteen point fourteen <laughs> You know, it's like it's like it's like um, exponentially. It's like it's like a millionth of the speed. Um, but but I I found bulletin so You can go on there and you could like basically download fucked up shit <laughs> you know and you go in these rooms so my friends and i like there was this thing it was an urban legend around this thing called the anarchist cookbook and you can go to bulletin boards and download this thing which basically taught you how to build bombs <laughs> Would teach you how to make fucking i swear to god you, napalm bombs like all this fucked up shit at home like and so like these kids it was like a bunch of teenagers were like teaching each other like you want to know how to make napalm you put styrofoam and gasoline it turns into napalm um, like,
1: <laughs> I went the like, opposite like. way. I found out how to hack Indiana University and we had a knock at our door. We lived in an apartment at this time and a knock at the door. And it was the authorities because I had root access at Indiana University. Because I got into bullets and boards and found out how to hack, so I was doing like you're figuring out how to blow up stuff, and I'm figuring out how to hack stuff. Same type of concept, <laughs> we're just a little different level there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had learned how to hack. So, so, so uh, that's pretty. Uh, anyway, I, I, it was a thing that like, was floating around the bulletin boards back then. There was tons of stuff. It was all this like, like basically how to do a bunch of illegal shit. But um, <laughs> then you learn something new about me in every episode. Um, so, so when you. Um, Fast forward you started working obviously dig- in the digital world, digital marketing world. Um, and and tell us a little bit about like the creator side because I know you were doing the back end stuff. When you were saying like like I knew that you had done work with Lewis and and you know Ray Higdon and Gabby Bernstein and, and all these different folks. W- what were you doing specifically for them like like what was the like cuz you were kind of like the guy behind the guy. What does that mean? Yeah, it was it was different for every person.
1: Um I'll give you a couple of stories for Jeff Walker. Jeff's Jeff's the inventor of product launch formula. Forbes calls him the billion-dollar man. Um, He's got a New York Times bestselling book called Launch. Jeff used to send out his emails manually in his funnel. So he didn't have a funnel. Mm -hmm. We automated his funnel and built his funnel and ran all the traffic for his launches. Got it. Okay. So we took what Jeff was doing manually and built a system around it, um, something I call call R3MAT, which is right message to the right audience at the right time building segmented marketing audiences, communicating to them at the right time with the right speed and the right pace. And I ended up learning enough about the informational space to become really, really, really good at that. We made like 5 million a year for a client that did aromatherapy certifications. We made 12 million in a launch for Jason Katzenbach with amazing.com. We were doing 3 million a year for like and Kip in retreats. And then we kept on and we would go to like, Michael Hyatt, whenever he wanted to migrate into HubSpot, we handled that migration to HubSpot. And then we found really savvy marketing for Michael. So you would go read his blog and you were into focus and learning about journaling and all this stuff. Well, we would just watch. And if you looked at like six blogs and you hadn't bought a journal in six months, we emailed you. Really simple, right? Like visitor abandonment instead of shopping cart abandonment. And we were doing 30 a month off of visitor abandonment. Wow. And still Michael's team still uses HubSpot and we still get commission from HubSpot because we set up that account. Lewis's team, the same thing. So Lewis, we figured out that Lewis was really good at Instagram. He's a good looking guy and had a big following on Instagram. So we could teach people how to get to 10,000 followers. It was easy. So my job was to go and grow an audience of people who wanted to grow an Instagram audience. Lewis's job was to show up and perform. So he showed up on the webinar and performed and my team handled everything else. To the point that like I was on my cell phone, scripting videos to send to Lewis so he could shoot the video and we could send it out as an ad. So like we were like in bed. We had like in bed, in bed with these people. We had like clients calling us and saying like, you show up more than my team. You're the reason why we're here. We had like Brendan Burchard. We were his top affiliate person. All of his top level clients, he sent them to us. So we were that type of like concierge, high level marketer for informational marketers.
0: And and so was this um, like, were you, um, was this your firm or were you working? It was your agency and then you were running this. Got it. Okay. And so are you still doing anything with that or is that you since moved on to the, the, the new creator stuff?
1: Yeah, I since moved on to, I don't serve clients that way anymore. I was ultimately, we were trading time for dollars. Sure. And we moved out of that into a way that we get to win together. We get to build together. We get to work together for long periods of time. You know, some clients you work together when you have an agency, I'm sure you worked with agencies in your days and some relationships last a long time and some don't. And unfortunately, the agencies typically just get cut. And when they're right. cut, the income stops. But the momentum from all the advertising and all the stuff, it's still working for the company. It's never a fair shake. Um, so we didn't do any long-term contracts or anything. We wrapped up all of our client work end of 2019 and started building my personal brand around what that was going to look like.
0: Got it. Okay. And so um, with, you know this creator economy we're in, you know, and and I'd love to kind of pivot here a little bit because I feel like, well, before we go there, I just have a question for you because, you know, like I feel like a lot of folks, there's this like, Oh, you got to build, you got to build your funnel, man. You got to build your funnel and you got to build your, you know, segment your email list. I'm I'm using digital speak. Like, as if I like, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, And so again, like I came from analog world. So for me, like, like when, as I started learning more about this stuff, I was like, first of all, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of complicated. Number one, I mean, I know it probably isn't for you, but for like an average Joe, who's just like trying to run their plumbing company, like it's, it's, you know, it's it's kind of technical. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 and that part by itself is probably a positive if you're getting into it early. Um, now there's a lot of things like, you know, like Russell Brunson's click funnels and stuff like that, that kind of automates the process. So, so you know, the world has changed over the last 10 years to become a much more of a digital economy, which is going to lead to what we're going with the, the creator stuff. But there's also because it's so digital, there's so much fucking noise. I mean, like, so how, like, what's your perspective on how do you get heard? Like you leveraging a tool, like let's use click funnels, for example, like, how do you even get heard with all this noise, man? Because it's like, yeah, I got a great product. And, and I can go do all the things that maybe 10 years ago, I would have crushed it if I just did the basics. Now, unless I do something like dynamic, even then I'm still, I'm competing against, against a bunch of other people that are using ClickFunnels and they have their their web person and they have a site and they have a funnel and they have this and they have that. And like, and oh, they're on TikTok and they're on, you know, uh, Twitter Twitter. And they're on Instagram and they're on Facebook and they're on, you know, Hootsuite that does organize all So I mean, dude, like, like it's dizzying talking about it. Yep. And, and then you look and you go, well, how the hell am I even supposed to like stand out? Even if I have a great product, how do I even stand out with that much noise? You coming from a digital marketing background, knowing what you know, you came up in it, right? You're an early adopter if you're doing EABY.com for Christ's sake. Um, (laughs) Like, how does does a business owner even get heard with so much noise out there? Well,
1: Suzanne Evans taught me that buying something is an emotional decision. It's not a logical decision when we buy. And when we realize that it's an emotional decision to buy just about everything in the world, if you're a business owner, you have to figure out why does someone want to buy your product? And if you can't answer that question, you're going to have a really hard time with it. And you're going to have to try to figure out a gimmick, a funnel, a blank, a blank, a blank. You know, Darius, I I sell pictures of giraffe. And I've sold $169,000 worth of pictures of giraffe in the last 90 days. I don't have a funnel. I don't have a sales page. You have to buy it with a weird thing called Ethereum. You don't even get to buy it with your credit card. You don't get any points when you buy it. So Do you need all of those things? Absolutely not. Those are gimmicks that might shortcut the process. What you need is desire and people to want whatever you have. You need people to want to watch your show. You don't need the gimmick or whatever. You just need people to want it. So you use the advertising and the marketing and the funnels and all that stuff. So you hopefully get enough people, 100, 500, 1,000, whatever true fans, right? If we go back to that essay, that will believe in you and help you carry the mission on. And that's what we've got to do now. What happens is we get, we get people that have great products, they make a great pizza, but they don't know how to go tell anybody about it. One of my favorite books, I don't know if you've read this, um, Still Like an Artist by Austin Kleon?
0: No. Oh, no. It's Let me amazing.
1: Chapter six is the secret. Do good work and share it with people. Most people just do good work and they never go share it with people. But in order to be successful in business, you have to spend more time sharing it with people. So you have to do some good work and share it. So that's the secret. You just have to go share your good work. If you make a great pizza, just go give some people some pizza and let them try and see what they think about it. Right? I if you make a great day. shirt, like if we go back to Damon John, we talked about Damon John from Clubhouse. He invented Fubu. He had four shirts. He took those four shirts everywhere and had people put them on. And when they put on the shirt, he took their picture. And when he had their picture, he showed it to somebody else and said, "Look, ODB's wearing Fubu. Look, LL Cool J's wearing Fubu." So, you do good work, create a shirt and show it to people. It's it. It doesn't ah, need I a marketing that. funnel. It doesn't need any of this savvy tech. It needs attention. It needs people wanting to hear it. you cut through the noise by being authentic, by being you and telling your
0: true story. I love that, man. So, um, with you, like if, it, you know, it sounds like you made this transition, um, to getting away from this agency, which, you know, I, I got a lot of friends that, AI owned an ad agency at some one point. Um, and so that, that I'd help kind of build, and, and I have friends that own agencies and this is a legit ad agency. Like they did like, they just like, they just did like this a spot for Fiat that almost made it on the Super Bowl. And I watched the shit they go through and it's dude, it's feast, feast or famine. It's like it's great work. And then they lose the client to your point. And so my issue with that fundamentally is that you, you, there's no stickiness of revenue necessarily. Right. And there's, and, and you're always having, you have this client attrition that you're taking especially if it's like a like a madison avenue type of agency which is different than the digital agency which is bigger dollars right um but you're losing this like five million dollar client and you got to go find another five million dollar client just to be even oh. right so, so i look at the agency business and you're always fighting for that next client um knowing you're going to lose clients right oh. um so so I, I don't blame you for wanting to get away from that um what what was that tipping point where you're like all right, I'm going to go lean into personal brand and I'm going to go lean into this whole blockchain NFT thing that's going on. That's a great question. Um,
1: I was really in deep working with Lewis Howes. I had worked with Lewis for about five years and I'd taken a big role in the company. They had come back and like my agency served as the CMO for Lewis's company. And the podcast was growing. The YouTube channel was growing we were we had about 2,000 people paying somewhere between 50 and 100 dollars a month in a monthly c- recurring membership and when you bought the membership you got inner circle with Lewis Howes and Gary Henderson. I was the lead coach in the membership and I was doing a lot of the work and I went to Summit of Greatness and I did which was his event and it was amazing and epic and I did a breakout session and I packed the room in the breakout session and I talked to Lewis after the event or actually let me take this back during the event, he said, Gary, what's our offer? What are we going to do? And I said, here's our offer. Here's the way we're going to pitch it. We're going to tell a story about how we got to bring one more person because he had talked about the fact that there were some empty seats. We're going to tell this story. We're going to do it. And we did $300,000 in revenue in two hours off an offer that he made on stage. And I said, Lewis, I want you to launch another podcast and I want to be the host. And next year, I want to be on stage, the main stage, because Ed Milet was there and Jesse Itzler was there and the names like I see myself right there as a peer. And Lewis kind of looked at me and said, go do something great. He didn't give me that path. Well, I looked at this and I said, look, I'm I'm making you millions of dollars. Like your inner circle was invented at my dining room table. I'm your head coach. I'm doing all these things. I need to do something else. I need to go somewhere else. I need to go do for Gary, not for Lewis anymore. And that was my tipping point. I, I said at the end of our year together, which is the end of 2019, I said, I, I can't continue. I'm not going to renew my contract with you. Now, this was hard. He was paying me almost $200,000 a year. And honestly, all I did was show up an hour a week and give him advice and show up and do like a little bit of Facebook engagement. So it was tough, but I had to cut it off. I had to, cause I couldn't be like my voice when I'm also trying to be Lewis's voice. It's impossible to be two voices. You know, I needed to let Gary actually build and let Gary figure out what Gary was going to say. And then all those hours on Clubhouse, for example, that let me develop what I believed in and what I thought and how, it, how I talked and how it worked. And because I'd never had those opportunities before, I was always trying to craft my voice into someone else's.
0: And, and what um, – <clears throat> why do you, wh- if you had to – looking back, what do you think was the reason why he passed on that? Like what was his – like if you had to guess – because it sounds to me like obviously there's a lot of value in what you guys were doing together. And, you know, like, I mean, I could see why somebody might want – I mean, might want to – I could see why you would want that. And I can also see why he might be like, yeah, it's just not aligned with what I'm doing because it's not about me. It's about you. Was that? Do you think it's as simple as that? Um,
1: maybe. Maybe. <sighs> I think there's ego at play. I mean, we all have them, but I think there was some ego at play. I think there was maybe he didn't want to go the direction that I was going. Uh, Maybe he saw me not as more of a peer. He saw me more as a vendor. And I thought the relationship was different. So I think a lot of those things happened. Now, fast forward to Clubhouse days. Like, I was excited. I was texting, and I was like, yo, you got to get into Clubhouse. Huge audience, huge opportunities. And he came into Clubhouse And I was up on stage. Brendan and I had worked together. So Brendan Burchard's on stage. I'm talking to Brendan. Lewis comes in and jumps on stage and sends me to the audience. And then I get brought back up on stage and I'm removed from the room. And then I send a message and Lewis says, hey, I don't really feel comfortable with you telling people that you work for me like you did.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing something about that. And I said,
1: why? And he said, well, you know, you're making it out like you made the money for us. I said, Lewis, I was on your team for five years. And I look at all the revenue you made as a team effort. It took all of us. If we didn't get people to your webinar, then you wouldn't have been able to perform. If you didn't perform, then all those people wouldn't have been able to buy. It took us both. And it just went like it went crazy um, so much so that he even like went to Josh Axe, Dr. Axe. And Josh texted me one day and I just called bullshit on Josh. And I said, look, I know you just got a message from Lewis because I see the words. I said, Josh, you and I worked together. And I sent him eight screenshots. And I said, when we stopped working together, these are all the referrals you sent out for me. These are all the new clients you got me, just in case you forget. And we didn't have any more interaction since then, Josh. And he wrote back and he apologized and he said, I'm sorry. He said, I did hear from Lewis and I'm sorry about that.
0: Yeah, so Lewis basically was like, hey, don't, he probably, I mean, in his, probably in his defense, he's like, hey, look, by you taking credit for my, the for my, any of my success, even if it's a 1%, it undermines my, him, right? And, and, and I don't whether see that's, things that way. No, no, no. Look, look, I, I, I don't see things necessarily that way either. And, and I, and I love this quote there's three sides of every story, like his side, your side, and the truth, right? Of so, so, everyone kind of has their own selfish perspective on that. And I remember hearing some of that. I think I think Nick told me about it. Uh, Peterson was like, "Hey, this is, you know, some gossip and shit." But, um, but yeah, like, like from your from like, well, question of you then, how do you see it? Because I know how I see it, but I, I'd be curious, how do you see it then? I mean, I
1: saw it as he wanted the credit for what he built. I saw it that he didn't want to share that I helped him build where he got to. I saw that he saw me as competition. Hmm. Gary's building. Gary's on the stage that like, I mean, just like you said, when you came into clubhouse, I was the name in clubhouse and not to be egotistical for me, but I had a big brand. I was writing like the book on clubhouse. Like I was on stage. You kind of identify that Lewis saw the same thing. So this person that used to work with me, that was my lead coach is now the guy that's leading the stage in the new hottest social media app.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. See, like I would have the perspective. I mean, and again, maybe this is why you and I have connected. I'd be like, right on. (laughs) Good. good. (laughs) There's plenty for everybody. (laughs) He's also like,
1: Lewis went on the BitCloud craze. You remember BitCloud that happened? Like he went on that craze and was pumping BitCloud real big. So he was looking for a place to call home. And Clubhouse was hot.
0: Yeah, the the Clubhouse was white hot for for at least two to three months. Uh, Especially like that January to like through the end of February. I got off like, right after like two months. So like, dude, I can't be on this thing yeah. this much. It's <laughs> so like, like I, I got a hall pass from my wife for like four weeks and I was like, okay. hey, like I can't do it.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
0: so so interesting so that um that was makes sense and so you know let's let's kind of go to what's next like obviously you're on clubhouse you you know there's this moment in the sun where the thing is it, i mean i think they were how much how many people were they adding a week it was like a really really big number like it was, was it over a, a million a week or something like that massive numbers i mean massive growth and but it went like
1: this and then it just
0: yeah, because people were like, fuck this shit. I want to go outside.
1: Nope. <laughs> I don't want to be crashed. on a
0: stupid app all day long. <laughs> well, and
1: they spend a lot of time with people that they weren't used to spending a lot of time with. And when you start to spend a lot of time with people, there's just differences in us. Yeah. Like we like different stuff. We have different energies. We wake up grouchy one day. We piss somebody off. And it becomes this real small little like college campus, in all honesty. And there just becomes these little segments that start to form. And it creates
0: trouble. Uh, I, I had so, I mean, there were some people on that app who I, who I, I mean, I, I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but like, um, gosh, I, I, I had my own little click where behind the scenes we were like, yep. oh, she, she just came on again. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> I, I don't want to say their names, yep. but, <laughs> yep. but, but there were some people where I was like, no, this is not like, like like all right i'm gonna describe a person that was on there so if listen if you're if you're listening to this right now and your kids are in the car you probably need to like mute this because what i'm gonna say is like i don't know it's it's, not that it's not safe for kids it's just kind of gross so there was a person whose brand was all around like periods like having periods i don't know if you know what i'm talking about yep i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) exactly And, and like on her social media was like pictures of her like f- like showing off her period like through her like clothes and stuff it was and she was a very she went to an ivy league school and and i was just like fucking and she just loved to hear herself talk and she was like probably 20 years old and there's a few of them on there there was uh, nothing drives me crazier than like 20 year olds who think they know more than 40 year olds like i literally like i'm like looking for a pistol and so um and so i would she would get on the room i would just go on like we would go on whatsapp and start talking shit <laughs> <laughs> but you, you so yeah, to your point, like, and, and these are people who are really funny people who like, you know, we're all just like cracking each other up. But you started to your point, you started having a lot of like, it was a little bit of high school bullshit, right? Yep. Um, so for you, like, obviously, the, the app had its moment in the sun. Where'd you go from there? Because obviously, you started doing the the Gary coin and moving into this more of this creator, this cryptocurrency, the NFT, the, the giraffe uh, tower NFT. Yep. How did that come out of all this? I'd love to hear the story on that.
1: Yeah, it actually started all in Clubhouse. So I wanted to build differently. And I, I don't like when, so like I did a lot of monthly memberships for coaches and we grew a lot of recurring revenue and there's a re, there's a, a negative indicator that goes off in your head or receptor whenever you cancel something for whatever reason. And I didn't like cancellation. So I found social tokens and I found the logic around holding something rather than, than having to pay me every month. So I leaned into the Web3 space because you could buy a token and hold a token and gain access to something because you held the token, and we could verify you owned the token. And if you sold the token or sent it to somebody else, we knew you didn't own it anymore, and you could lose your access. So it was a secured access point. So I started leaning into that, loved it, rode the wave through about May, June of the first year on Clubhouse, and I started seeing Chris Doe's crowd. I don't know if you know Chris, but he's a YouTube Mm -hmm. guy. Um, he's got a designer and he started showing up on there and his people in his community on clubhouse, they had these red profile rings around their head. Okay. And as they started yeah. to show up in the rooms that I was in, cause I was spending eight, 10, 12 hours a day on clubhouse, writing the book, building relationships, all this stuff. I trusted those people when they came in. So when I invited someone up to stage, if they had that Chris Doe profile ring, I was like, Ooh, that's a trust symbol. I like that. And clubhouse didn't have a trust symbol. There was no blue check. There was no any verifications. It was really tiring to go over to Instagram and check them out. So as my community and I started to lean in in July to what this looked like for us, we started to explore Web3. We started to explore profile photos and, and NFTs. And we leaned into Giraffe. We started to create around Giraffe. We said, you know, well, we don't want to put a profile ring. Let's create Giraffe. We looked at the success of like Board A Yacht Club and what Gary Vee was doing with v Friends. I wanted to build a brand that had... A cult like following. I wanted to build something that people could relate to. I wanted to build something that we could all win together on. And I wanted to build something that was um, innovative, right? It was, was results driven, something that I could do publicly. And Web3 met all those marks. So we started building Giraffe, um, designing Giraffe, and we started launching Giraffe in August of 2021.
0: And so l- let me ask a question because obviously, like August of 21 was probably anywhere from that's maybe october november probably the apex of the nft cryptocurrency web3 you know moment and then quickly we've seen that shit implode hard, right? Like, like there's been a really, really, really big implosion, right? Like, like I, 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 I always joke. I call myself like I'm. I said I'm I'm a negative indicator because I think that's when I started buying that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I know exactly when I spent um, tens of thousands of dollars on on cryptocurrency, and it was like September of oh oh I said oh one of twenty one, yep. <laughs> and then yeah, anyway, I've lost like it's all lost like 90 percent of its value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which, which 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 you know what like honestly like everything i bought was like yeah, yeah I bought. i own solana yep. right i own you know a bunch of these cryptos uh you know and i own some bitcoin too and, yep. and ethereum but but i was like you know what? i'm just buying it just to like cause if i have a whole theory around investing which is if you if i put money in it i'll i'll go pay attention to it i'll go yep. learn more about it yep. and i also was like eh, this is money i'm willing to lose i'll yep. put enough in it where i pay attention to it, it doesn't need to be a ton but it's probably for some people what I put in was a lot, but for me it was, you know, it's, it was something I could I could digest if I if it went to nothing, of course. Um, and so I I started paying attention to it and looking at it, and and I'm a firm believer, like a firm, 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 firm believer, that Web three has a massive place in the world, especially from a financial uh, verification standpoint, right? I'm, I'm a finance guy. So I look at, it and go, Hey, look, I think it's the the plumbing, the foundation of our entire financial system needs rebuilt and web three is a potential competitor to that, to the current incumbent system. Um, the, the NFT stuff, I get it. Cause I, I like, I listen to Gary Vee, you know, Gary Vee's the Pied Piper of NFTs um, amongst other people. And I've listened to his logic around it and I'm like, all right, like, you know, I could see that. Like, the, it's this intangibleness of a brand, right? The value of a brand that we're actually quantifying in a way that's measured on a per second basis. Um, now, a lot of listeners who are listening right now may be like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. So, when Gary started talking about giraffes, their eyes glazed over. They're like, why is this grown man talking about giraffes? Um, so, for people that are less in the know of what we're talking about right now, like what is what is a giraffe? What is an NFT? What what is a Gary Coin? Why would anyone want to do this? I I get it from the standpoint of it being the secure way of managing membership, okay. but but what do you like? What like beyond that like like what what got you so hot on it and what do you think the future of it is?
1: Yeah, so. For Gary Coin in the industries that I've been in, there's a lot of, you know, your Stripe account gets shut down or you've got to wait and you've got to deal with chargebacks and you've got to deal with all this weird stuff that goes on in the normal financial industry. You know, if somebody buys something, and they don't like it, it's charged back. Um, crypto, there's no chargebacks. It's kind of a final point. So as I started to build Gary Coin, I built a ecosystem where anyone can create their own currency and anyone can operate in that currency. So for example, I can, I have Gary Coin. People can own Gary Coin and then they can buy things with Gary Coin. So it's kind of like PayPal and um, an arcade mixed together. You show up in my community and you earn coin and you do stuff and you engage, like you you retweet my tweets, or if you go into Twitter spaces, I'll airdrop Gary Coin to you. So you're getting all these free tokens for engaging in my brand, the stuff that I need you to do. And then when you get these tokens, you can turn around and you could either sell them and swap them right back to Solana. Or you could hold them and use them in, our, in my ecosystem and you could get coaching from me or you could get access to like me promoting you on Twitter. Like I've been growing some of my um, community, their accounts by like 1,000, 1,500 followers on Twitter. So they can turn those Gary coin back into me and use them and use them cre- as credit. So it's it's very much like an arcade, a Gary arcade. So that's the why. Mm. It, it means nothing to no one unless they're in our ecosystem. So if you're mm. a creator and you want to monetize your personal brand and you want to make money doing that and you want to learn from me, then you get our currency very much like when you go to Mexico, you get their currency. If you go to Canada, you get their currency. When you come to Gary Club, you get Gary Coin. So Got just to put that into simple terms.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a great, I think that's a great analogy. The arcade analogy, um, you know, resonates, right? If I go to golf and stuff, like, play video games i gotta cash in my dollar i get coins i gotta go play other games you your services or your different things that you're doing in your ecosystem are essentially those games right if you will um and and if you think of all currencies you could think of all currencies in that way if you were to go meta right um and so when you start looking at like obviously this shit was hotter than hell right like like i had a guy that a client of mine uh 35 year old guy like super, super successful, like real estate guy. I mean, he, I think he owned like a hundred million dollars of, of apartments in, in Manhattan. Um, and, and he, he had this, uh, and he was building a software that was doing like some really interesting stuff in with his particular business. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, Darius, I can't get my, my, uh, my programmer won't, doesn't want to work for me anymore. He's worked for me for four <laughs> years. We built the software. I said, what happened? He's like, you know, he's got two board apes. <laughs> nope. he, he was like you know like he was buying NFTs and they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars nope. you know and he was just disgusted by it then obviously you know a lot of that stuff come dropped in value pretty significantly so maybe the guy came back to work but, um, <laughs> we, built, we, built, but was,
1: we built a collection like that too though we built giraffe and that's an NFT collection like the board apes um, so we, we kind of followed suit there we have 10,000 they're sold out we've done 360 Ethereum or 365 Ethereum secondary which is almost $600,000 in secondary volume. And for me, it was a test, right? Like, Darius, I knew I wanted to build a community and I knew in order for me to make the impact, like when I was working with Lewis or Gabby or or Michael Hyatt and my normie clients or my normie friends in the agency world, they would say, who are you working with? And I'd say, Lewis Howes, they'd say, who? I couldn't say, oh, I'm working with Volkswagen or I'm working with Community Coffee or I'm working with, you know, like Intercontinental Hotels Group. I'm working with Lewis and nobody heard of him. So my objective is that people know my name. So I wanted to grow this big, broad community, just like the Board API Club did. So we we sold out our 10,000 giraffe. They're all over the world. We have holders in, I mean, Singapore and Australia and the Netherlands and the UK and the US and Puerto Rico. I mean, we have 20 people in Puerto Rico. We have 20 holders in the Netherlands that hold giraffe. And we have, it's wild, the, the chief information security officer of the NFL, the CISO of the NFL is a giraffe holder. Um, the person who runs the company that owns... Uh, or runs the company that does all of Tony Robbins virtual events. He's a giraffe owner. He owns 55 giraffe. And what it is, is it's a virtual country club. It's a virtual membership. It's a virtual community. And your giraffe is your membership card. Very much like your, your, if you're a, a Texas Longhorn fan or a UNC Tar Heels fan, you might, you know, support the mascot and buy the merch. So you grab your, your ticket, your keys. And at the beginning, they're, they're pretty affordable and they're pretty cheap. And over time, when you get one, it's like, you know, imagine if the new football team opened up down in Austin and they said, you know, we've got 10,000 seats in the stadium and they're five bucks a piece and everybody give me five bucks and you get a seat and you're like, well, I'll get a seat and we'll see what happens. And then down the road, you're enjoying the game and somebody says, well, I'll give you a hundred bucks for your seat. You're like, I still want to go to the games. And then down the road, somebody says, well, I'll give you 500 bucks for your seats. I still want to go to the games. They're fun. I enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, I get access to the concert on Saturday night, and it's going to be fun, and I don't have to pay for tickets. And that's what's happened here. So it's a micro-economy, a financial instrument of 10,000 items in a supply and demand that when the supply is low, 10,000, and the demand the, the the demand is higher than 10,000, the price keeps rising. And when the demand ro- grow, goes smaller, the price drops because people are always selling.
0: So, so- – but yeah, but no do you have to supply. But in the country club club and and so, and so for this is where people are, are leveraging NFTs to say, look, this is kind of like a we're, we're again you're feeding the ecosystem and you're giving them access based off of it. So uh, I think I think that the like obviously if you look at like Facebook or Meta, excuse me, like they're betting really big on on the metaverse. NFTs are a big part of that. Um, you know, the virtual assets are a big part of that when you know when you you know but what we just saw happen right now in 2022 specifically was an, a reconciliation of of what a lot of people saw as a bubble now i'm old enough where i'm like dude i've watched this happen like this the last time i saw this happen in its most significant format was in 1999 2000 right where the dot com bust boom and bust yep. but the internet's here stronger than ever right um so I just what I think just happened was the 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 rec, the cleanup of a of, of a market that got ahead of itself for a technology that's legit for a buyer behavior that's real but it's but it's not here yet in the the price of those assets w- exceeded where the market is at the moment. My belief is that all these things are real and that they're going to have a place in the future. So if you like lean into the future and it's you know it's 2032, 2033 10 years from now, a lot can happen in 10 years as we've seen, what do, you think, what do you think the creator economy looks like compared to right now?
1: I mean, I think it's wide open. You know, I know you and I talk about pizza and I know you're a big pizza fan. You know, let's imagine that there's a group of the biggest pizza fans in the world and they say for a hundred bucks, you'll get your membership. And I think this is where we're headed. I think somebody will say, I'm going to put together the best pizza experiences all over the world. And I'm going to put a 1,000 people in and we're going to put 50 people in a room and you're going to get great experiences and we're going to travel the world. And I think we're going to have hobbies that we're going to have a token to and we're going to own it and it's going to be our access points. I think everyone's going to be able to create this. I think we're going to have all these weird little currencies because we're going to go to a global economy and it's not going to make sense to spend US dollars or spend, you know, whatever other regional currency dollars. I think we're going to open up a lot of the unbanked. So if you go to countries like Africa, there's a lot of the world right now that can't, they're not banked. They don't have a bank account, and they can't get money out of a bank account when they do. It's it's locked. So I think we're opening up the unbanked, and I think that's opening up a lot of cool technology. You know, Darius, we have 19 full-time team members working for me, and they're all based in Lagos, Nigeria. They're all paid in crypto. They do amazing work. So we're opening up the world to a global ecosystem. I think the next 20 to 30 years, we're not you know, in a, in a single time zone. I think we're operating 24-7 in a global space doing different things. I think people have more gigs. They're in their specialty. And I think they're swapping around different coins and they're moving in and out of ecosystems. You know, I don't think you have to worry about it. I think most things will be digital. I don't think we'll deal with paper money much. I mean, I can't use paper money at most of the places I'm at here in Puerto Rico. They just don't accept it anymore. Other countries are that way. I think the US will get that way soon too.
0: What do you, So, so, I mean, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that like crypto have challenged, you know, the reserve currency of the U S and, but then you see that the entire current system is completely entrenched and baked in that. Right. And, and, and the argument a lot of folks I know make, I, I had, I interviewed a, you ever read the book Layered Money by Nick Batia? No. Nick Batia? No, I That's an interesting book. Okay. For, for, yeah. It's a really good book for people that want to know about the history of actual currency. Uh, And I interviewed Nick, he's a professor at USC in California, uh, professor of economics. He's a big proponent of Bitcoin, you know, being the future of currency. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are. Um, And, but he's a, he's a big voice in that, in that community. And, and, you know, his perspective was, he's like, how long do you think it'll take before people think in terms of Bitcoin? Right. Darry, he asked me that question. And I said, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, you know, if it's really going to make it, and he's like i think it's going to happen a lot sooner and 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 so there's we could argue both sides of that of that fence but but what i heard you just say is that like the reserve currency is not the us dollar anymore that we have like a world currency which with microcurrencies baked into it which i think is it. i mean obviously it's possible because the us dollar wasn't even the reserve currency more than 100 years ago right right and we've had multiple reserve currencies before that. It was the British pound, or British sterling. Before that, it was I think it was like the Dutch coin, right? And you know you can go back. They're, they're like yep. this, like literally, you can take it all the way back. I'm looking right now uh, at the, uh, the during Roman times they had. Um, I'm blanking on the name of their coin, but essentially, like like we've had these different reserve currencies. And what I'm hearing you say, and this is the whole like kind of argument around DeFi, decentralized finance, is that no, there is no like centralized currency and there is no centralized banking system i i don't want to make this debate about that because i think it's really complicated to like unwind the system that's in place that's like literally like like people that really understand how we how the swiss system works and how all these things come together it's it's like you're talking about it would be like armageddon to create yeah. that right oh yeah like literally like 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 doomsday type shit yep. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm a, I don't know what, what, what will happen in that regard, but I do think that there is a place for digital exchange. Um, do you think like like that that there's a place for these currencies even if we don't change our current currency system? And if so, like how does a, how does a regular old Joe that's listening to this? Obviously, like well, this is tip of the spear type shit. but how does a regular old Joe that's running their normal business, how do they in, engage in this world? To start learning more to, to to leverage it to even maybe learn a lot more and leverage it in their own business.
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So Mastercard came out last week and they're now settling crypto payments live in fiat for merchants. So if you have a certain merchant account as a business and you accept payments on your website, someone can pay in crypto instead of their Mastercard, and if they pay in crypto, Mastercard will send you U.S. dollars to your bank account. Just like they swiped a Mastercard, you won't know the difference. So that's kind of the first level is to say, okay, do I'm a business? Do I want to play in crypto? Do I want to accept crypto? And if I do, what am I willing to accept? I think you did the right thing. You find a affordable risk for yourself, enough that you'll pay attention to it, but not too much that you you like you're homeless if you lose it all. Um, whatever that percentage is in your life, and you invest. And you play and you see what you want to do. You look at the the importance of the networks. Like, don't get, like, is Bitcoin great? It's amazing for what it's for. Is Ethereum great? It's amazing for what it's for. Is Solana great? Yes, they're all great for what they're for. So that gets real confusing to the average business owner. But the average business owner is going to be able to get into things like Coinbase Commerce that's just going to let them accept, like, literally accept crypto, and it automatically converts to a stable US dollar coin instantly so they can accept bitcoin or ethereum or any of those things on their website and it automatically converts well you have this segment of an audience in the world that's that's crypto heavy that they believe in crypto they have crypto in their wallet and it doesn't feel the same as your your real money i'm just it's just real like i don't know how much solana you have let's say you have 100 solana and if you had something that was going to cost you 50 solana you may say hey yeah i got some solana let's do it where if it's going to cost you 500 bucks you're like damn i got to swipe my credit card i got to I got to pull it out. I got I got this long to pay this off. It's got to come out of my bank account. It's just different. So I think companies, small businesses opening up to crypto, accepting crypto, I think it gets them local press. I think it gets them on the cutting edge. I think it'll get them a couple new customers that they couldn't get. But eventually, I think there's going to be a lot of like internal systems, I think, like we use our cryptocurrencies as rewards tokens like almost like a um, a frequent flyer mile on your airlines. They just have real value. I think there's going to be a lot more of that and a lot of more interchangeability. I'm not of the mindset that we're going to have one coin Bitcoin. I'm of the mindset we're going to have a lot of coins and we're going to play in a lot of different ecosystems, but it's going to be a really easy button to swap. And I'm just going to swap around. It's going to be all interchangeable. Interesting. But I like the um, fact um, – let me add this really quick too, Darius. I like the fact that we can support something early. The problems that I have with with Fiat is if you find your local bagel shop down the street or your local sub shop or your local pizza shop and you love them you love them. I mean, their prices are going to go up over time. They're going to get more popular. But if you love them, you could go grab their token, go grab a big old bag of their token and then just pay for your pizza and that token. So you could control your costs. You could control your expenses. You could do everything and it's just there for you. You show up and you buy pizza and they give you extra tokens for free. So you're just staying in there. It's like a point system. But if you decide to leave or they go out of business or whatever, you want to send it to your friends, you just send it around. So it builds loyalty. It builds incentives it keeps you coming back. It does something that fiat doesn't do because if you've got to swipe a credit card, you can swipe it everywhere. But if you've got some extra points or you got your, you know, your frequent flyer miles, you stay very loyal, and this builds loyalty at the local business level.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that man. And there's obviously some like the, that was the that's the argument that I hear around around the the future of this is. Hey, look, like as people, if you think of a decentralized business, like don't think of the bagel shop as being owned by the bagel shop owner. Think of it being owned by the clients, right? Yeah. Um, which, which is, you know, there's a, what DAO is, this, or isn't that a decentralized autonomous organization, right? right? Yeah, DAO. Yeah. Right. Right. Dow. So, so that's essentially the idea is like, there is no Mark Zuckerberg that owns Facebook. Everyone owns, owns Facebook. So if I go on Facebook and post something like I get, I get a piece of the action because I'm creating traction with that business that helps that business uh as opposed to zuckerberg you know opening another hospital in in him and his wife's name because you know it's that's not decentralized it's it's more of a traditional model
1: Well, it allows Um, you to invest in yourself Um, i'll tell you a really quick story i was on clubhouse early in the days and i charged 100 gary coin for an hour with me and i didn't sell them the price of gary coin went up 4x and i sold them then so i was able to charge someone less they paid here i sold here so i made the difference I made way more money for my time than I originally sold it for. Originally, they paid four hundred bucks. I waited until it was worth sixteen hundred dollars and sold it then.
0: them. Oh, you mean so you 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 told them uh, you told them it's a hundred Gary Coin once you once the price was high enough for you to do it. No, price-
1: I I told them it's a hundred Gary Coin, so they paid me a hundred Gary Coin, and I accepted a hundred Gary Coin and I did my work. I held the Gary oh. Coin, and then the price of Gary Coin went up. And then I sold the Gary coin when the price went up and pulled back a fiat.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So I invested
1: in myself. If they would have given me U.S. dollars, what's happened to the U.S. dollar over the last year? It's down like 9%, right? So if they would have given me me U.S. dollars, I would have lost 9% if I held it for six months. But because we were growing and I believed in myself and I held my currency for me, I appreciated 4X instead of declining. That's the true benefit if you're bullish on yourself and you believe if you're building, you're building your economy, not the U.S. government's economy.
0: Interesting, And I, I, I hadn't thought of it, about it that way. That's probably why you live in Puerto Rico.
1: It's one of the reasons. <laughs> like, the other reason is I can see the ocean right there. It's literally yeah. right there and it's gorgeous. There's a boat going by right now. Um <laughs>
0: Oh man, I got to come down <laughs> and hang, hang out, hang out with you, hang out with you. Um, get, so, okay. So I got two questions and then we're to, yep. we got to, I want to respect your time and we'll get wrapped up here. So question number one is, um, all right, you, uh, I know you're a pizza lover. You only get to go to one more pizza place on earth and that's your last pizza meal, where are you going? Where is it? What are you ordering? What are you ordering? I'm going to pizza Toro
1: in Durham. And I'm getting, they have a fennel sausage pizza that's insanely good. And it's just, it's a special little place for us. My wife and I had a place in Durham, North Carolina for a while. And they have just a really good pizza and they do a fresh chili oil that I pour on top. It's just, it's just, it's a great, great, great pie.
0: Oh, wait, wait, what's the name of the place again?
1: It's called Pizza Turo, T-O-R-R-O. And it's in downtown Durham, North Carolina.
0: All right. All right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a mental note of that. I don't know if I'll be in I'm gonna be in South Carolina soon, but not North. Um, So pizza Pizza Toro fennel sausage pizza. All it's
1: right? amazing. I'll send you a picture. It sounds, I'll send it you a picture
0: good. of it. <laughs> do you like anch- do you like anchovy pizza? I don't. have, So I I I never did ever, mm-hmm. but my mom likes it, and okay. so my mom started making a red pizza, so a, a tomato pie right where there's yep. no cheese because she's she can't have cheese. And so I, I had it. I was like, "Oh man, it's actually kind of tasty. It's also really salty." Yep. So I make a pizza, and dude, I'm telling you, I was a traditionalist—like pepperoni pizza only, or like margarita pizza only, or every now and again I would have like, you know, like a nice sausage pizza or something. But, yep. but uh, like a bite. Like yep. I'm, I'm like, just give me pepperoni pizza. Make sure it's like super legit. Yep. Um, so I, I've been making a pizza lately, which is—I'm like—I'll tell you what it is. It's—it's—I've it's, uh, been experimenting with it, but it's—it's it's, it's homemade. And it's a red pie and I cut up like cherry tomatoes and I do anchovies and then I, and then, and then I bake it, I cook it in a pizza oven. I take it out mm-hmm. and then I pour on stracciatelle, which is the inside of mozzarella de Buffalo on top mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. when it's finished. And then I put on a bunch of fresh basil. Would you, Ooh. would you eat that?
1: I would try that. I, I, anchovies i it probably is a mental block it's just the word anchovy so i would try it and see if it's good i would tell you the truth if i liked it um, that's as best i could give you um, but i would definitely I, I, yeah. try it
0: so i i get so i felt the same way as you did until recently i'm telling yep. you I'm, i like anchovy i'm like ew yuck yep. and it's my favorite pizza now so yep. if you're an austin man i'll make you one um, i need
1: to get down to austin again i definitely yeah
0: do. yeah yeah. The next time you hear you hit me up. Um, all right. Last question. We always end the greatness machine with the same question. Um, and so I'm going to ask you the greatness, greatness machine question, and then we can, uh, r- wrap up with any of any things you want to promote regarding, uh, the work you're doing. Uh, we'll, we'll give you some, a second to plug all that stuff. So final question, the, the greatness machine question, what is the number one barrier to creating greatness in the world that you overcome in your life and how did you overcome it? Oh, that's a good question. I think the number
1: one barrier to creating greatness in the world is the stigma or the point of view of others definition of greatness. And I built my own definition of greatness and I live that every day. I strive for greatness. I try to get better every single day, but I don't fit into the norms. It's not get a good degree, go to college and get a good job. I do it my way. And my way is great. Just the way it is.
0: I love it, man. Gary Henderson, my man. Finally, we got to hang out, chop it up on the show. Um, look, where can people connect with you? Where can they get Gary coin? Where can they g- get the giraffes? Where can they learn more about all the stuff you're doing?
1: Best place to go is Gary So it's real simple. Gary, my name dot club. And you'll find all the information about us right there.
0: All right. Gary It is guys. Listen, got to go check out my man. Gary is doing so many cool off the cuff, just really cutting edge stuff in the world. So grateful to have you on the show, my friend. Finally, we got to hang out. Whether I make it down to PR or you make it here to Austin, we're going to get to eat some pizza together. But before we go, man, so much gratitude to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, Darius. You too, my friend. Listen, uh, listeners, if you love this show, share it with your friends. As leaders, we're givers, we're sharers. Anyone that wants to learn more about all these interesting things we talked about today, please share the episode. Um, If you love the show, give us a rating, give us a review. And with that said, peace out. We love you.